From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is, wait, wait, don't tell me, the NPR News Quiz. (laughs) I'm your evil twin. (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. We have a great show for you today. Actor Kate Mulgrew will be joining us later on. She, of course, played Captain Janeway on Orange is the New Black. But first, <laughs> you may have heard this. It is true. Illinois Republican lawmakers have put forth a resolution to eject Chicago, our city, from the state because, quote, the city no longer fits the values of the state. <laughs> That's fine. We're cool. We're cool. Amicable divorce. We can do that. But look, if you do eject Chicago, can you please put us somewhere where it isn't winter 11 months a year? (laughs) For the moment, though, we are still here, ready to take your calls. The number is one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hello, this is Graham McKim. I'm calling from Comfort, Texas. Comfort, Texas. Is it a comfortable place, Comfort, Texas? Uh, right now, it's pretty hot. Yeah, I know. And what do you do there in Comfort? I'm a chef at an Episcopal camp and conference center down here. Oh, you're a chef at a camp. Okay. This is a weird question for my own youth, but do you serve the kids bug juice? No. No. I'm sorry, because we were served bug juice, and I'm desperate to know what that really was. <laughs> Well, welcome to our show, Graham. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, it's a comedian whose book, Your Dad Stole My Rake and Other Family Dilemmas, just came out in paperback. Welcome back, Tom Papa. (laughs) Next, it's a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning and the host of the Wondery podcast, One Plus One. It's Faith Saley back with us. And finally, it's a comedian who's performing at Hilarity's Comedy Club in Cleveland, June 20th through the 23rd. It's Alonzo Bowden. Hello, sir. So, Graham, I bet you knew this, but you're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis, of course, is going to recreate for you three quotations we found in the week's news. Your job, correctly identify or explain that. Do that two times out of three. You will win our prize. You ready to go? I sure am. Here's your first quote. I was extremely calm. (laughs) That was somebody going to great lengths to insist he wasn't upset. No, he wasn't upset. When he stormed out of a meeting with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who was it? That would be President Trump. It would be President Trump, wouldn't it? On Wednesday, President Trump stomped into a meeting he had called with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, yelled at them for trying to impeach him, and stomped right out. Now, we have never identified with Donald Trump more than this moment because we are also always trying to get out of meetings. (laughs) Now, the president then, after he stomped out of the meeting, three minutes after he walked in, went out to the Rose Garden to make a spontaneous appearance before the press, a spontaneous appearance they had scheduled before the meeting began (laughs) and for which his staff had printed up big posters. (laughs) Now, to be fair, the White House always has a spare selection of posters just in case the president needs to rant. You know, the same way you always carry plastic bags when you take your dog for a walk. Well, it was the Rose Garden. That's, it was that's true. appropriate. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Just head out. If you got something to do, President, just go out to the garden. Just walk him around the perimeter a while until he's finished. So, 
Do you think they do that? Do you think they bring him out to the garden every day just to see if he has to? It's like, no, he's fine. And then, and then he calls Nancy Pelosi a mess. Yeah. What did she say? She said something about, oh, I pray for the president. I pray for the president and, and for the country. And you know, that is just a smarter way of saying bless your heart. It really is. <laughs> What's weird is that President Trump presumably is angry at Nancy Pelosi because Nancy Pelosi wants to impeach him, or as he likes to put it, the I word. And, and what's crazy is he says that about Nancy Pelosi, but Nancy Pelosi famously is very reticent about moving toward impeachment. She says that he, the president, wants us to impeach him, so therefore we shouldn't do it. Now, he thinks it's true. She thinks he wants to do it to fire up his base, but the real reason is that he thinks being impeached means you get to have sex with an intern. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're moving on. Here is your next quote. Lactose against intolerance. That's the rallying cry of a protest movement growing in Britain calling for more people to throw what at politicians they don't like. Uh. Milk? Close enough. Milkshakes. <laughs> the latest type of political protest is throwing milkshakes at politicians. It began when a protester was confronted on the street by the far-right politician Tommy Robinson, and he had a milkshake, and he spontaneously just took off the cap and threw it on him. <laughs> and it spread widely, much like a milkshake down a politician's suit. <laughs> In fact, uh, right-wing Brexiteer Nigel Farage has gotten so many milkshakes thrown at him that a McDonald's near one of his speeches was asked by Scotland Yard not to sell them. <laughs> it's true. So instead of milkshaking, we all got to see what it was like to be filet of fished. So can Farage say he's shaken, not stirred? Uh, no, he doesn't have the wit. On Wednesday, this is absolutely true, Farage was, was trapped in his campaign bus because people were outside <laughs> all holding milkshakes. <laughs> and you laugh, you laugh. But imagine how spooky that would be. You look out the windows of your bus and all these people lined up with their milkshakes just drinking in the straw. Like, <laughs> spooky. It's so... It's so funny how different our cultures are. Like over there, it's such an insult to get hit with a milkshake, and yet our president showers in milkshakes. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. It, would the Secret Service have to dive in front of him yeah. and take the shake? <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. The Secret Service diving in front going, Yo! <laughs> now, it's, uh, this is true. So McDonald's said, we're not selling milkshakes. They asked us not to. Burger King, this is true. They advertised on Twitter, hey, we're selling milkshakes. <laughs> It won't work, though, because the only person who ever goes to Burger King in the UK is Prince Charles, because that's the only time he ever gets to really wear a crown. <laughs> sir, sir, we're closing. You need to leave. You, you can keep the crown, sir, yes. But look how small my head is next to the mascot. <laughs> All right, your last quote is the title of an episode of Arthur. That's, of course, a popular animated kids' TV show. Mr. Ratburn and the special someone. That episode was not broadcast in the state of Alabama because the special someone that Mr. Ratburn married was what? Um, gay? Ye well, yes, another man. <laughs> Mr. Ratburn married another man, or technically he married a male aardvark, and I don't know why people are upset about two males marrying each other rather than a rat marrying an aardvark. <laughs> 
Of course, the real reason to ban this show is you don't want to give people the idea it's okay to bring kids to weddings. <laughs> or maybe Alabama's problem with two men getting married is there's nobody in that couple they can force to have a baby. I just would have loved to sit in that meeting when they're like, oh, the aardvark's marrying the rat? Not in our state. Yeah. <laughs> we, these people just have, what, they have nothing else to do but Apparently, sit around. They worry about I this thought, I thought we were past this with the Teletubbies. No, really no, did. man. <laughs> Not in Alabama. Now, it's weird. The, 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 the standards are way off. Alabama Public Television is still fine with Dora the Explorer, but that's only because they don't know that the thing that Dora is exploring is polyamory. <laughs> And just wait till they find out that everyone on Sesame Street is a furry. <laughs> Bill, how did Graham do on our quiz? Graham did very well. One, two, three in a row. Congratulations, Graham. Well done. We want to remind everyone they can join us most weeks right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Illinois. For tickets and more information, just go over to wbez.org, or you can find a link at our website. That's waitwait.npr.org. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Faith parenting is a full-time job for bonobo chimp mothers who, we learned this week, are heavily involved in finding their sons what? Well, we know that bonobos are super randy. That's true. Right? Mm -hmm. So I would think they're involved in finding their son's mates. That's exactly right. right. So bonobos are also Jewish. Apparently. <laughs> they, they, they... Yeah, they, they, short, they shortened their name from bonobo wits when they made partner. Uh, bonobos, yes. Bonobo moms aggressively help their sons find mates. <laughs> they, ch they chase away competition, lead their sons straight to potential partners, and then explain to the feeble bonobos how wonderful their son is once you get to bono him. <laughs> Classic helicopter parents. So who else is going to be at the party? And are they ovulating? <laughs> and then this is true. Uh, once the kids actually hook up with a fertile female, the mother will stand guard since nothing enhances sexual performance. <laughs> Like mom. So this this behavior is actually more proof that we have descended. Oh yeah. From from, from chimps. Well, I mean, this we is have this common this. ancestor. That Human we are, mothers do that all the time. Absolutely. Right? That one's not good enough. To, my mother was more like take him off my hands. Really? But it never. No, she. My mother never got involved. In, in who I would date. People would even ask her, like, does it bother you that he's not married or this or that? And she was like, I don't have to live with him. <laughs> you know, she'd like, I'm, I'm rid of him. I don't care who takes him from here. <laughs> would you ever marry an aardvark? Coming up, get out the Ambien. It's an insomniac bluff, the listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Trader Joe's, where you never have to wait to discover delicious foods and beverages from around the world. 
Speaking of waiting, you don't have to wait for more episodes of Trader Joe's original podcast series, Inside Trader Joe's, filled with fresh takes on everything from frozen foods to flowers. Find new episodes on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. More at TraderJoe's.com and at Trader Joe's on Instagram and Pinterest. James Reeb was fatally beaten on a Selma Street in 1965. His death would galvanize the nation. But in a courtroom nine months later, a not guilty verdict was handed down. In episode two, the trial and the birth of a conspiracy theory. From NPR, it's White Lies. Listen and subscribe now. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Alonzo Bowden, Tom Papa, and Faith Saley. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. If you are listening on the radio and you're kind of sad that you'll never be able to cherish this moment again, well, then just download this show as a podcast and listen to it again and again. You'll get all the questions right eventually. But right now, it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener Game. Call one wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Rich Klingman from Norwich, New York. Norwich, New York. Now, I don't know where Norwich is. Can you tell me? We're uh, in the middle of nowhere. Ah. (laughs) And what do you do there in the middle of nowhere? I make um, baby quilts for the neonatal unit at the local hospital. Oh. Oh, Do do your quilts have, like, a particular design so they can be recognized? Uh, Actually, no. They're just three-inch squares of cloth just sewn together, and... I mean, the babies aren't going to care. Yeah. (laughs) Richard, it's nice to have you with us. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Richard's topic? Don't let the bed bugs bite. Nothing's worse than when you can't sleep. And even medication or PBS can't help. This week, we read of someone being kept up, but for a surprising reason. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You'll win our prize. The voice of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play? Yes. All right. First, let's hear from Tom Papa. A sleepless couple in the historic southern city of Granada in Andalusia had been troubled by a strange, incessant buzzing noise in their house. They called the police, who found nothing. They called firefighters, still nothing. On a whim, they called their beekeeper friend, Guerrero, who entered the house and discovered that it was filled with bees. Of course, what else was a beekeeper going to find? (laughs) One can only imagine the carnage if they had called their lion tamer friend. (laughs) The beekeeper found a hive with around 80,000 bees behind a bedroom wall. Guerrero said he was surprised the human inhabitants had been able to share a house with such noisy neighbors, especially as the hive was so big it must have been there for years. But as is common with a lot of married couples, there's a good chance they both thought the other one had left the bathroom fan on and refused to turn it off out of spite. With the bees removed, the couple can now look forward to even more sleepless nights as they return to listening to each other snore and getting up to use the bathroom. A couple in Spain find 80,000 bees in the wall. That's from Tom Papa. Your next insomnia story comes from Faith Saley. 
New parents will try everything to get their babies to sleep. Nina Bacon from Swansea, Wales, gave all the mums in her co-sleeping support group a gift of a sleep sheep, a fuzzy stuffed animal made with real local lamb fur that has a white noise machine embedded in it. Turn it on, count sheep, and you'll drift right off. But as soon as Nina started using it, she started waking up in the middle of the night screaming in a cold sweat alongside her partner, Nigel Smythe, who'd likewise be clutching her and hyperventilating. All this while their daughter, Mercury Bacon Smythe, kept sleeping like, well, like a baby. Her mom friends and their partners were having the same problem, nighttime terrors. No one knew why. One night, after baby Mercury was extra fussy, Nina tried to lull herself back to sleep and turn the sleep sheep up to 11. As she sat listening to the swishy, uterusy sounds, she heard a deep male voice, or did she? If she listened super duper closely, she could barely make out the sheep singing in a baritone. The tune was like a soothing nursery rhyme with horrifying lyrics about devouring a baby. It was sung in this really creepy voice, Nina says. When he got to the part about the baby's toes and earlobes tasting like Welsh rabbit, that's when I gasped and Nigel sat bolt upright. An investigation revealed that while a worker on the late shift was making the white noise recordings, the microphone picked him up while he was rehearsing an acoustic love song to his girlfriend. (laughs) Relieved to learn this, but still shaken, Nina says, I guess he means well, but he really needs to work on his metaphors. (laughs) A sleep sheep turns out to be a wolf in Sleep Sheep's clothing because of a hidden recording of an original song. Your last story of sleeplessness comes from Alonzo Bowden. Shannon and Arthur Murray thought they had found the perfect retirement in the town of Ravello off the coast of Italy. And they had until the third night. It started at midnight, crying, weeping, screaming in Italian as if somebody was being tortured. Whimpers, grunts, and even deep thumps like bodies were being dropped on the ground. What was it? Did they live below a serial killer? Couldn't be. At that rate, the town would be depopulated in a month. (laughs) After a whole sleepless month of staring in terror at the ceiling, they called the police and found someone who spoke enough English to understand their complaints. There's a crazy person living above us and I think he needs help, said Shannon. Oh no, that's not a crazy person. That's just Vlad Carrero. He's the most famous Italian painter since Michelangelo. Mr. Carrero, known as the painter of joy, has sold millions of prints and posters of his favorite subject. Big-eyed, adorable kittens. Kittens playing, kittens hunting, kittens cuddling. Everything but kittens sleeping because then you couldn't see their wonderful big eyes. (laughs) Signore Carrero, whose studio was on the top floor of the building, heard about the complaint and came to apologize. He explained that he was only able to paint the happy kittens after he first expelled all his own rage and anger so that the only thing he had left to put on the canvas was inner peace. It's a loud process, he said through the police translator, but it's made me really, really rich. All right. These are your choices. Something gets somebody up for a while until it was discovered, was it from Tom Papa, Bees in a House in Spain, from Faith Saley, a bad original song secretly recorded onto a sleep sheep in Wales, or from Alonzo, a screaming artist upstairs in Italy. Which of these is the real story of unintentional insomnia? Well, I'm gonna 
have to go with A. So you're going to pick A, Tom's story. Well, to bring you the correct answer, we spoke to someone familiar with it. A guy came in to evaluate the house and found 80,000 bees in their bedroom wall. That was Kelly McLaughlin, a senior reporter at Business Insider, talking about, of course, the discovery of this enormous number of bees inside the house. Congratulations, Richard. You got it right. Well done. Thank you so much for playing. You earned a point for Tom. Just for being honest, you've earned one our prize. The voice of anyone you might choose in your voicemail. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you so much for playing, Richard. Bye-bye. And now the game where we reward a lifetime of achievement by offering a few minutes of a pale imitation of it. We call it Not My Job. In the far, far future of Star Trek, humans have created a paradise of equal opportunity, but weirdly, it still took them 30 years to find a woman to captain a starship. That was Catherine Janeway, played by Kate Mulgrew. She also starred as Red in Orange is the New Black. She has a new memoir. She joins us now. Kate Mulgrew, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you. So you, it's very rare for, uh, for an actor to play one iconic character on television. You've done two. What do you get recognized most for when you're walking down the street? Oh, Captain Janeway. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Followed that. very closely by Red, and sometimes I get the double whammy, which is an absolute neck twister. Yes. Red! Captain Janeway! Captain Janeway! Red! And I'm certain, you know. That's a, that's a very interesting Venn diagram intersection, but I'm sure they find you. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I myself am a Star Trek nerd, so I'm going to start by asking you about that. Was When you were offered that role of Captain mm -hmm. Janeway in Star Trek Voyager, did you know what you were in for? Did you know? I had, I had no clue. Really? You were... I certainly I had no idea that it was going to be as life-changing as it was. You... Well, just imagine. I'd gone from living a, a sort of normal life as a typically ambitious and forward-leaning young actress in Hollywood, raising my two sons, and suddenly I'm spouting technobabble, which is absolutely like learning Greek overnight. Sure. Working 18 hours a day in four-and-a-half-inch heels. Wait a minute. I, know, I, I can't remember seeing your feet. They made you wear heels on the bridge of the starship? Because the men were so tall. Really? And if I had not had those heels, I would have looked like a little cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> they could have made you decided you were just a particularly short kind of alien. They Who could have done that. They could have Captain done Captain Jamie would have been really, really pathetic. And, yes. and, and, and how, did you, how have you found, I'm sure it continues to this day, your interaction with the fans? I think the fans, the Star Trek fans, are the best fans in the world. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But you never had a moment that it was represented by that classic Saturday Night Live sketch with uh, Bill Shatner, Get a Life. You've never been cornered by these people arguing with you about the I way wouldn't, you steered I'd the I'd rather Voyager. have my hand chopped off than say such a thing. I uh, mean, it's so rude. And I said that to Bill. Really? <laughs> what did he these say people, back to these you? These people have given you your career. Why, you okay, why are you minute. acting as if they haven't? It's no big secret. And it works both ways. You, Us too, chop chop. You lectured William Shatner about how you not I being... lecture him all the time and he only laughed at me. Oh. <laughs> so then uh, a while ago you were cast as uh, Red, who is the the chef in the kitchen and a powerful person. He was the cook in the beginning. She yeah. was the cook. She changed. Yeah. But that, uh, did you, I mean, I, I imagine there's not a lot of research you can do to be a starship captain. But did, yeah. did you actually have to do, like, the classic, like, actor research to play that role? Well, did you I had to audition for the role. Yeah. We all had to audition. They gave me a very a small piece of paper, um, which was written. This is Galina Redresnikov. She's been in prison for some time. She's of Russian extraction, but we only want you to tap it. Tap it. We're just looking for the slightest flavor. 
right. of, of, of Russia. But right. that isn't what came out of my mouth. I wanted to talk about your new book, How to Forget, which is a, yeah. quite a remarkable book. I've been reading it all week. First of have all, you really? I really have. Tell me the truth. All right, I'm going to tell you the truth. Make I, the sign of the cross in I'm, front I'm of making, your viewing. It's really, I could make the sign of a cross. It's not going to make much difference. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. But I, I, the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of the people we write, we have on the show have written books, and I often make an attempt to read their books. In your case, I actually got quite involved in it. It's beautifully written, and the story is, I'm not going to say entertaining as much as, as deeply involving. Uh, the book is about the death of your parents. Correct. And I am told that your book, How to Forget, is the number one bestseller on Amazon under the category Dysfunctional Families. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. That's wonderful to know. Right. So there, there are not, there, there's a lot of very intense stuff about your family, about your father, your mother. I know your parents are no longer with us because, as I said, I read the book. But I wouldn't have written the book had they still been living. Uh, that is. Let me just say that that is obvious. Right. Good. Uh, did they live long enough to understand and appreciate how successful you became? He never saw me act. Never. Did he, he didn't even watch. He Star never Trek? watched me on television. He ne not, not even like once. Star Trek, which is pretty much a guy he thing? He never watched me on Star Trek. That just confused him. Right. He seemed to be absolutely perplexed by it. What the hell are you doing up? Where are you? <laughs> I said, I'm in the Delta Quadrant, Dad. Don't you get it? He said, I'll just go get the vodka. Forget about it. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to ask you one, about one more thing. The, uh, the, your first book, your, your more autobiographical memoir, is called Born With Teeth. Correct. Because you were born with teeth. I what? What yes. does that mean if a baby is born with a full set of teeth? That she's a witch. Oh! <laughs> uh, are you a witch? I'm a kind of witch. Sure. Because I've always wanted to say this, and now uh, I can. Ready? Yeah, are ready. you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> well, then I've always wanted to say this to you. Go ahead. I'll get you, my little pretty, <laughs> oh, very and your little dog, too. <laughs> Well, Kate Mulgrew, we are delighted to talk to you. We've invited you here to play a game we're calling Red and Orange is the New Black. Meet the rest of the spectrum. So we want to explain the theme. We, we, we noticed a lot of color in your recent work, so we thought we'd ask you about some other colors that didn't show up in your TV show. Answer two uh -huh. out of three questions, and you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice on their voicemail. Bill, who is Kate Mulgrew playing for? Sebastian Clecken of Fall River, Massachusetts. All right, ready to do this? I think you're ready to do this. I get that Ready, sense, I'm yeah. going to give it a shot. All Let's right, go. here's your first question. The nomadic Tuareg people of the Sahara don't have a word for the color purple which has resulted in some interesting quirks, such as which of these? A, when Tuareg filmmakers did a remake of Prince's Purple Rain, they had to call it Rain the Color of Blue with a Little Red in it. <laughs> B, instead of saying Turn Purple with Rage, they say Chewing on One's Own Toes. Or C, they refer to purple jelly beans as the ones that are at least better than the black ones. Definitely B. Definitely B. It was actually A. I know it was. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know it was, yes. That's I know actually, it was, but it was so obvious, I thought I'd just play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, was, uh, this was actually true. It was reported on NPR. These Tuareg filmmakers made their own remake of Purple Rain. They called yeah. it Rain the Color of Blue with a Little Red in it, and apparently it's not bad. All right, your next question. 
Pantone 448 is the technical name for a brownish color that has what distinction? A, dogs adore it, which is why all dog food is that color. B, it is the color of everything once you turn the lights off. <laughs> or C, it is the very worst color in the world. C. You're right. That's what happened. What happened was an Australian marketing company did a survey. They found out that this shade of brown is the least appealing color in the world, and thus they then used it for cigarette packaging. <laughs> okay, last question. You may think you know all the colors, but you don't. Which of these is a real color? A, fulvus, B, gamboge, or C, smaragdine? <laughs> I'll bet it's A, but I'm going to go with B. B, Gamboge? Yeah. You're right, but they're all real colors. <laughs> it's true. Fulvus can be described as a brownish yellow. Gamboge is a transparent mustard, and smaragdine is a kind of green. What do you mean? How can it be mustard if it's transparent? Well, I think the idea is it's like it's a mustard color, but it's like lighter, I think. Oh, do we have to do colors? Are we finished? <laughs> we're not quite finished we're only finished when Bill gives the score so Bill how did Kate Mulgrew do in our quiz well proving Gamboge is the new black <laughs> Kate got two out of three so she wins congratulations Mulgrew stars as Red on Orange is the New Black and is a former Starfleet captain on board Voyager who knew very powerful memoir is called How to Forget. Kate Mulgrew, what a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so it's much. Been all for being on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. In just a minute, Bill orders the beef tongue extra rare, if you know what I mean. It's the Listener Limerick Challenge. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, but today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. Then, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com wait. So how many candidates are running for president? 22. Maybe more to come. It is a lot to keep track of, which is why the NPR Politics Podcast is hitting the road to introduce you to all the people running for president. Join us on the campaign trail as we interview the candidates to ask why they are the best pick for president. Follow along this spring and summer by subscribing to the NPR Politics Podcast. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Tom Papa, Faith Saley, and Alonzo Bowden. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill writes 
his first op-ed for the New York Rhymes in the Listener Limerick Challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's one 8924 Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Tom, Amazon is testing a new method to increase productivity, improving their boring warehouse jobs by converting those tasks into a what? A uh, video game. Exactly right, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, the boxes you move in real life correspond to objects in video games on these little screens. There's a space game, a castle game, and of course, Grand Theft Bezos. <laughs> the Washington Post called it Tetris, but with real boxes. You're pitted against other workers in other departments, and it's fun, because if you win, you might get to keep your health insurance. <laughs> Are you avoiding anything? Are you running over barrels? I don't know. Like I myself have not played it. <sighs> but you are actually, phys by physically moving things in the world, you are affecting things in the game. It's a huge improvement over Amazon's previous game for warehouse workers who can go the longest without peeing. <laughs> <laughs> Some say it's just a nefarious way to track employees and increase efficiency, but others say the same thing because that's obviously what it is. <laughs> In a statement, Amazon said no workers had experienced any side effects from the mushrooms they eat to make it possible for them to jump up to the highest. <laughs> do you play? Do you? Do, does any of you play a video? Play video? No, games? I'm not a gamer. Do you? No, I always want to. <laughs> but. But I have a life. <laughs> Alonzo, Alonzo, this week a long-standing debate about space travel was finally resolved. We now know that you cannot achieve propulsion in space using what? Uh, you can't achieve propulsion using, um, well, you, explosives, right? They can't be explosions. Sort of. <laughs> um, this is more personal propulsion around the space station. Oh, you mean gas? Yes. Uh, let's, how can we say this nice gas expelled from a human? That's exactly right. Or Move as we call it here on Earth, farts. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to keep it classy. But. Have, you, have you not listened to this show? That's true. That's true. I've been here for a while. So, so again, th this, this whole episode is just having me question scientists. Yes. <laughs> You know, you think they're so brilliant and it's intimidating. Yeah. And they're sitting around saying, hey, I wonder if I could <laughs> fart my way around the space station. Well, yeah. And then you're like, and then you're like, open the pod bay door, Hal, or at least open a window. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, but I know for a fact that my uh, friend Keith, uh, that his farts light on fire. Uh, for a fact. And I also know for a fact if the, you, if the flame's too close to him while you're doing this experiment, uh, his uh, genes will light on fire. <laughs> you don't even have to be in space. You could just be in a basement in New Jersey. I... <laughs> yeah, we gathered that. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play an air call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait. 
That's 1-888-9248-924, or click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, and our upcoming shows, June 27th at the Mann Center in Philadelphia, and our first ever show at the beautiful Blossom Music Center, located within Cuyahoga National Park in Northern Ohio. That's July 18th. And be sure to check out this week's Wait Wait quiz on your Alexa or Google Home device. Just say, open the Wait Wait quiz, and Bill and I will hang out with you, ask you questions, listen to your words, and if that's not heaven enough, you could also win any one of our voices for your voicemail. Hi, you're on Wait Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Stephanie Carlson, uh, formerly of Yakima, Washington. I just moved to Cheshire, Connecticut. Well, I've been to both. Yeah, uh, I know, Yakima. I saw you in Yakima. Oh, wow, well, that's nice, man. Hello. <laughs> um, and And what's, first of all, why did you do that, and how have you found the transition? We love the transition. New England is amazing. Um, it feels like we're in another country. East Coasters are something else. Really? <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Stephanie. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? Yes. Here is your first limerick. From celebrity armpits and knees, I harvest their microbes with ease. It is culture, I find, as I chew on the rind. From their essence, I make wheels of... Cheese. Right, cheese! If you like how cheese is made out of bacteria, mold, and hard old milk, but wish it had one more gross twist. <laughs> a cheesemaker in London is making cheese with bacteria starters made from swabbed celebrity skin. And if you're not A-list enough to be made into a cheese, then you'll just be made into sea salt. <laughs> just think of how much closer you'll feel to your favorite celebs as soon as you eat their belly button remnants on a cracker. <laughs> you can imagine a nice celebrity cheese board, a little Monterey Hugh Jackman, <laughs> some Lady Gaganzola, <laughs> and of course, Brie Larson. All right, here is your next limerick. The Austrians raise an arched brow. It seems odd that you won't find a frau. There's no bovine I do, so it's hashtag me moo. It's not safe to be kissing a cow. Cow, yes. Austria has faced an epidemic of people sneaking into pastures and kissing cows. <laughs> after a startup offered to donate money to a charity for every cow kissed. The challenge has proved so popular that health officials released a statement begging people to stop kissing cows. <laughs> Look, one sign you need to stop doing what you're doing is if you've put yourself in a situation in which E. coli is now an STD. <laughs> Do we know if this is kiss on the lips? Yeah, apparently yes. He kissed the cow on the lips. That's why it's a problem. Oh, because they have braces? <laughs> Yeah. All right, here is your last limerick. From my lunch, I feel absent for days as I wander about in a haze. Down the stairs and through doors and past three minotaurs, their bathroom seems lost in a... Oh, no. Well, minotaur is a kind of uh, hint because where would you find the minotaur? In the middle of a... What's a minotaur? <laughs> it's like a really sexy cow. Pretty much. <laughs> haze, haze. Don't kiss it, though. Haze, 
In you the got it. Right yes, please. The New York Post is reporting on a crisis in New York restaurants, restrooms that are way, way too hard to find. The Crosby Street Hotel restaurant requires you to go down a flight of stairs and find your way through five doors before getting to the restroom. Diners have called finding the bathroom at Augustine, quote, like a game of Clue. By the way, whoever said that, do not play Clue with them. (laughs) Restaurants in New York are considering fixing the problem by installing a Starbucks in the middle of the dining room. Now, the problem came about because more and more restaurants are being built into reclaimed spaces that were never designed to be restaurants. The lone exception is the Hutnew Spago, built on the old men's room in Port Authority. (laughs) Bill, how did Stephanie do on our quiz? She got them all right. She's a winner. Congratulations. Thank you so much for playing. Thank you. Bye-bye. This message comes from NPR's sponsor, the Illinois Office of Tourism, who would like to ask if you're up for amazing. From Chicago to Lincoln Springfield, from Shawnee National Forest to Main Street Galena, there's a lot to see in Illinois. Some might even say it's amazing, but we won't because that's really up to you. So visit enjoyillinois.com and see if you're up for what some people might call amazing. Support also comes from Verbo. Finding the perfect vacation home is hard. You start off looking for a beach house big enough for six and wind up watching videos of surfing dogs. Verbo's got you covered, matching you to the perfect place to stay for your getaway every time. Download the Verbo app, V-R-B-O, and put an end to frustrating vacation searches. Discover everything from condos and cabins to villas and castles. Let Verbo find a home that matches you. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer is worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Alonzo and Tom each have three. Faith has two. Faith, you're in third place. You're up first. The clock will start when I begin your first question, fill-in-the-blank. On Tuesday, former White House counsel Blank defied a House Judiciary Committee subpoena. McGann. Right. Several film productions have stopped filming in Georgia in protest of the state's new blank law. Oh, heartbeat bill. Yeah, abortion law. This week, lawmakers in New York approved a bill that would let Congress see Trump's blank. Tax returns. Right. On Thursday, John Walker Lind, the American who joined the blank in Afghanistan, was released from prison. Taliban. Right. This week, a fugitive in Connecticut has agreed to turn himself in if blank. He gets 15,000 likes on Facebook. For his wanted poster. That's exactly right. (laughs) A new study released Wednesday warns that rising blank levels could displace 200 million people over the next 80 years. Ocean. Yeah, sea levels, yes. On Monday, the Golden State Warriors swept the Portland Trailblazers to advance to the blank finals again. Uh, NBA. Right. This week, celebrity chef Jose Andre shared his newest recipe with the world, potatoes roasted on a pan with blank. Oh, armpit cheese. No. (laughs) Potatoes roasted on a pan of compost. The chef's new recipe combines potatoes with salt, coffee grounds, and, quote, scraps from your compost bin. The instructions say you should preheat your oven to 450, insert the potatoes, sprinkle with coffee grounds, add garbage to taste, and then order a pizza. (laughs) Bill, how did Faith do on our quiz? She sets a high mark. She got seven right, 14 more points, total of 16 in the lead. Congratulations. That was quite good. Well, we have flipped a coin in the back, and Alonzo, is it heads or tails? 
Heads. It is heads. Alonzo, do you want to go second or third? Let's get it out of the way. Let's go right now. <laughs> All right. On Sunday, President Trump told Fox News that he was doing everything he could to avoid a war with blank. Iran. Right. On Thursday, WikiLeaks founder Blank was charged with violating the Espionage Act. Assange. Right. This week, federal prosecutors accused Michael Avenatti of stealing over $300,000 from his former client, Blank. Stormy Daniels. Right. On Tuesday, the White House announced that a $20 bill featuring Blank would be delayed. Harriet Tubman. Right. This week, a group of firefighters in Arizona got more than they bargained for when they battled a blaze in a house that was Blank. Uh, on fire? No. <laughs> That was to be expected. The surprise was it was also filled with snakes. While giving the commencement address at Morehouse College, billionaire Robert F. Smith blanked. Oh, he agreed to pay their student loans off. He paid off everyone's student loans, yes. After beating the San Jose Sharks in six games, the St. Louis Blues advanced to the blank. Uh, NHL Stanley Cup final. Right. After being pulled over, a Nebraska man wanted on two outstanding warrants gave police a fake name, but they didn't believe him because he was blank. Oh, uh... He gave a woman's name, he's a man? No, they didn't believe his fake name because he was also wearing a name tag. <laughs> so uh, officers pulled the guy over because his car matched the description of one owned by a fugitive named Markel Towner, but when questioned, the man said that his name was D'Angelo Towns, a name very different. Police would have left it there if the man weren't also wearing a name tag that very clearly said, Hi, my name is Markel Towner. <laughs> the man was arrested and has pled not guilty, but that was before police found a piece of paper in his pocket titled, A List of All the Crimes That I, Markel Towner, <laughs> Have Committed. <laughs> Bill, how did Alonzo do on our quiz? So close. He got six right, 12 more points, 15, one behind faith. Oof. How many, then, does Tom need to win? Seven to win. This is for the game, Tom. Fill in the blank. On Monday, Michael Cohen said that he was instructed to lie to Congress about negotiations to build the Trump Tower in blank. Moscow. Right. Early results from India's national election show blank winning a second term. Modi. Yes. This week, a judge ruled that the subpoena for blank's records from Deutsche Bank could proceed. Trump. Right. After a string of violent protests reacting to the re-election of Joko Widodo, authorities in blank restricted social media use throughout the country. Um, New Jersey. Indo <laughs> Indonesia. After trying unsuccessfully to return an item to Amazon four times, a woman in San Francisco blanked. Um, yelled at, um, Siri? No. A woman went to Amazon's shareholder meeting and tried to return it directly to Jeff Bezos. Hilarious. <laughs> On Sunday, the series finale of Blank set viewing records for HBO. Game of Thrones. Yes. A Massachusetts man called 911 to say someone had broken into his home and blanked. Lit his farts on fire. <laughs> No? Cleaned it. The man, and his, the man and his child got home, discovered the back door open, walked in expecting the place to be ransacked, and in, fa in fact found it to be a lot cleaner than it was when they had left that morning. <laughs> Somebody had come in, tidied up, cleaned. They actually, they smelt all the cleaning stuff, so they cleaned the floors and everything. And best of all, included a little origami rose tied on top of the brand new toilet paper roll. Wow. That is the creepiest story I've ever heard. <laughs> Bill, did Tom do well enough to win? He's in there. Four right, eight more points, a total of 11. He's not a winner. <laughs> so who is our champion? Faith! Faith!
In just a minute, in just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists, after all the Arthur drama, what will be the next time a cartoon makes headlines? Thank you to Stock and Ledger for providing a family cookout-style meal without actually having to spend time with our families. <laughs> wait, wait, don't tell me. It's a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions. Doug Berman, benevolent overlord, Philip Gotica, writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran and Mary D'Olio. Our brand new interns are Panina Bede and Lila Francis. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King. Winner, winner, Peter Gwinner. Technical directions from Lorna White. Our business and ops managers, Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. Now, panel, what would be the next cartoon to make the news? Tom Papa. Me Too shows up at Toy Story. No one will work with a character named Woody. <laughs> Faith Saley. Paw Patrol takes on anti-vax parents with a rabies outbreak for a series finale. <laughs> and Alonzo Bowden. Bart Simpson is 36 years old. He is old enough and he will be running for president in 2020. <laughs> well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it here on Wait, Wait. Don't tell me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Tom Papa, Faith Saley, and Alonzo Bowden. And thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Peter Sagal. We will see you next week. is NPR.